Welcome to the Seven Figure Impact Podcast, where I help men and women just like you who have a drive to make positive, powerful impact within their local community do so through licensed assisted living, group homes, and community have businesses. I'm your host, Ariana. I'm a co-CEO of a seven-figure home and community-based agency, former professional foster parent, mother of three children, coach, course creator, and so much more. I'm obsessed with helping aspiring providers break into the business of care without all the confusion, overwhelm, or even owning their licensed property. And I help current providers intentionally market, develop systems, streamline their back end, and scale their income. If you are wanting to build a business in care and make seven-figure impact, you are in the right place. Let's get it going. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Seven Figure Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Ariana J, and I am so glad to be here, per usual. Today, I feel so good about this conversation, and I've been wanting to kind of like segue the podcast in this direction, so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I do believe this is a more robust conversation than one episode, specifically because it's around a very specific type of care, right? As you know, if you've been in my world, you know that there's many different types of care and business models. So when you are interacting or you are taking anything from any of my content, free content, paid content, et cetera, and applying it to your business or applying it to your startup journey or applying it to the way you grow, scale, operate your business, you need to be able to tweak it accordingly. Okay, so this episode specifically, I want to talk about going from self-care, like providing care by myself, to providing care in a shared care environment, right? So from self-care to shared care, and talk about my journey in all of those different components with the variety of different business models. If you don't know, I started in shared living with being a foster parent, then a treatment foster parent, and before transitioning to owning my own agency, right? And so I have been able to kind of like transition this piece of going from providing care by myself to providing care with a team, right? In different environments because they're different business models. And so we're really going to break this up into three different series. The first series that we're going to talk about today is going to be specifically towards the foster parent, shared living, treatment parent, host home provider, the care that's done in your home. That's really what this is going to be geared towards. And I feel like the other business models like assisted living or anything residential and the community have is going to be another conversation because it's structured a little bit different. It allows you, the listener, to kind of pick and choose which one you want to listen to. You want to listen to all? Great. You want to listen to one? Great. But I want to be able to break it up so I can share my experiences, give you value based off of kind of what I've seen in the industry, what I have went through 
so that you can pick and choose what you want to implement or not implement. I mean, I feel like it's a win, win, win. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into it. And I'm really excited about this conversation, like really excited. So grab your beverage of choice. I'm having coffee with a little bit of cream. And I have some ice cold water here. Side note, I've been craving soda. Mind you, I haven't had soda in like years. But all of a sudden, over the last month, I've been like craving soda. My favorite is like uh, Shirley Temple with extra cherries. And so I found that ice cold water kind of helps with that of me not having to crave soda so much. And fun fact is like, all of my water that I usually drink, and I drink a lot of water, is usually room temp. So for me to have cold water is just odd, but it helps with that craving. So it is bad for you guys. So yeah, there's that. (laughs) So let's start off with really how long I've was a foster parent, right? I think that's important to kind of give you context (laughs) of how long I was doing this shared living, basically home-based care, right? In my own personal home. And I started out as a shared living provider in 2013. That's when I started out as this. I didn't know anything really about it. My husband worked on the North Slope. We had this big, beautiful house. It was just me, Douglas, and the dog, right? Rocco, my beloved Rocco. He passed away in 2020. And so it was just us. And we had three bedrooms. And we were like, what are we going to do with these bedrooms? And I was like, let's serve, right? Let's support the youth of our community. And so that's kind of how we got into it. Obviously, that's not the long drawn out story. And this isn't the place for the long drawn out story. (laughs) Short and sweet here. But we've been in since 2013, right? We did a bit of transitioning to find our footing specifically towards the type of care we wanted to provide in that shared living setting, because there are different demographics and and populations of individuals you can serve. And again, this isn't the deep dive on what that is, but we transitioned from traditional foster parent to treatment foster parent. And that's where we landed really for seven years, I think it was. So when I broke into the business, I didn't necessarily think that I, I needed to have like this shared care thinking or this shared care model, right? I didn't understand any of that. Now, I will give the state and these agencies credit that I was affiliated with that part of the application process, they do ask you who your support systems are. Like, who are these people? What do they do? (laughs) They ask that. Who do you have to turn to? And I was like, just put something down. So I reached out to a couple people. Shout out to Amanda, my girlfriend. I put her down. I put my mom down, my sister down. There was a couple people I put down. And I embarked on this journey, right? And it was enlightening, enriching. I felt great that I was supporting the youth and giving back and all of those things. But I didn't realize that I actually needed a really solid support system 
And so being that, I like one of the biggest reasons why I want to highlight why I didn't feel like I was really going to need the support was that I started my journey in care without children of my own. Okay, so that's a big that's a big thing to look at. I didn't have any children of my own. So I didn't necessarily see the importance of having to care for these children in the sense of needing support to do so, right? I saw me caring for them, but like having support and all of those things, I didn't really see that because I didn't have children of my own. And I didn't realize the necessity of built-in natural support. So again, I put my girlfriend out, I put my mom, I put my sister, and I lived about 45 minutes away from my mom and my sister. And then uh, my girlfriend, we worked together. So that's actually how we met. And so I had put her down And maybe I put somebody else down, maybe a friend from church at the time. I'm not exactly sure. It was so long ago. But anyways, that's who I put down, never really thinking that I would be reaching out to these people. Obviously, my family, yes. Talk to them all the time, every day. But reaching out for support, like, hey, I need this support. And so (sighs) it just didn't cross my mind. But how wrong was I? And the learning experience that I got from that was, no sis, you need some supports in place and you need them stacked. So once I got started and I was providing care, after I got through my classes, it was about two weeks from my very first placement. Like it happened really, really quick. And I was grateful. I was excited. I remember walking into a residential treatment facility here where I was going to meet this little girl. And I was nervous. I was excited. All the things. And I met with her and I was like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. But I had been through Presley Ridge. I was trained. I felt confident. And I believe she transitioned into our home, I think within like a week or so of the meet and greet. So the transition happened really good, pretty quick. It was smooth. I didn't feel like I was misled. There was a lot of information that I didn't necessarily have because, you know, when you're working with these residential treatment facilities, they'll put In my opinion, they put anything down. Now they'll probably say, we do assessments and all the things, which I'm sure they do. But anyways, that's kind of how that went. But it was about a month into the care where I was like, oh yeah, some supports might be good. They might be good. I'm not 100% on it, but it might be good, right? Because I was always on. When you are providing care in your own personal home, you were always on, right? So I didn't feel like I had a break because when this individual went to school, I went to work. Then I came home and there were some behaviors and things that were associated with that. And I was always on. Now, it wasn't always like escalated behavior. It wasn't any of that, right? All the time. There were spurts, right? 
and we dealt with that, but it wasn't always like escalated all the time. I was always pulling my hair out. That's not what it was. It was just like, oh yeah, I could probably use a break or a weekend away or whatever, but it wasn't still at the time. Like I was like, no, I need a break. I wasn't at burnout, right? Usually when people get to burnout, it's too late. It's literally too late. So the amount of foster parents, shared living host home providers who do not have support is profound. It is profound. There are currently over 400,000 children in foster care. And this is from Children's Rights Advocacy Group, who has done this study. And there could be even more than that. There are a lot of just children. We're not talking about like host home provider, shared living or anything like that. This is not narrowing down uh, specifically treatment, foster parents or anything like this is just kind of like an overall That's still a lot of children. And when you think about how many families are out there providing care specifically to children, that's a lot. Do they all have the natural supports in place? Are they all utilizing the natural supports that are available for them? Are they really leaning on that? And I just want to talk about how crucial it is to have those natural supports. I was fortunate enough to have them. I didn't lean on them a whole lot in the beginning, as I was mentioning. So if you were at a stage of just getting started, right, please know it's very crucial for you to have a support system to be able to lean on for your own well-being and to be able to take a break so it's not just only you providing the care, it becomes shared care, okay? That's really the first point I I really wanted to make in this episode was relying on natural supports when you are providing care in your own home. Like that's super, super important. Hey there, if you are ready to make impact within your local community and you are ready to get started, I have something for you, so listen up. The Startup Provider Program is open for enrollment for a limited time. The Startup Provider Program is a self-study program over 12 weeks, so you can get on track with opening your business and care so much faster. We talk about everything from mindset and focus to clients and funding to licensing and certification and everything else in between, specifically focusing on that market research so that you can find the right license type and the requirements to open the business and care that you desire. So head over to Startup Provider com for more details. All right, now back to the show. So you might be wondering, like, when was a wake up call, right? When was a wake up call for me to really understand that I needed this? I needed some support. And I didn't realize this until it was probably like a year, maybe two years in, to tell you the honest truth. And to be fair, there were some events and such. So I did get a break every once in a while. It was like twice a month. It was called like date night. And so the youth that I served went to the agency I was affiliated with and they had like date night every other Friday. You got a break for like four hours, right? 
So I had that. That's what the agency provided. But there wasn't anything like longer term set up in place at the time. And to also give credit to the agency, my licensing specialist at the time did ask me about respite. But it was kind of like, no, I don't know if I really need that. You know, it wasn't something that I, I was like leaning towards until unfortunately it gets to be too late right? It gets to be too late. And I got pregnant with my daughter and I had a, what they thought was an eptopic pregnancy and an appendicitis that was connected to my uterus. So emergency surgery, that was a big wake up call for me. Cause I was like, oh shit, like I need help. I need somebody to take care of these little girls that I had at the time. And that's when I really started to lean into the natural supports that I had in place. Again, they were 45 minutes away. And my husband worked on the North Slope. And so it was just me. And I realized quickly at that point, right? I had the aha moment. My eyes opened up at that point that I need to be around my support. And my support was in Anchorage. And so... I did some pivoting and maneuvering and I eventually moved from where I was at, the town I was at, to the town I grew up in with my family and all of the natural supports around me. I moved because I needed that. I needed that support. And again, my husband worked on the slope. I had two little girls in my home. I was pregnant with my daughter. At the time, my doctor had told me you have a 30% chance of miscarriage because I had to have a surgery in the middle of my pregnancy. It was like eight weeks that I was pregnant. And they said there was a 30% chance of miscarriage. I needed to take it slow. I needed support, right? So... I moved in that time. You'd be like, wait a minute. You just say you need to take it slow, da, 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 da. And then you move. That seems kind of crazy. It was a little bit crazy, but it's what I needed to do. And so we, we made the move. We bought a house and we moved. And I'm so grateful that I did because I had those supports right there in my same city where my mom and my sister were able to help me out. And around that same time, 2015 is when my daughter was born, I started to get the notion that I wanted my own shop. I wanted my own show. I wanted my own business. And as I started to look into the requirements of what that was, I needed to have some supervisory experience. And so when I realized that, I was like, okay, I need to make this work. I need to get some experience in. And what better way to get the experience than to do it now so that when I am ready to pull this trigger on this business, I will have that on my resume, right? And I think a lot of providers, aspiring providers aren't thinking about that in the moment of when they're wanting to start their business. Like if you're not meeting requirements, why don't you start meeting those requirements, right? And I understand finding all of the regulations and all the things can be hard. Like I get that, but If you don't have the needed experience for said type of care, use your time wisely and get that experience and get paid while you're able to do it if you can, right? So that was really the the moving force behind me saying, okay, I need to make sure I can hire somebody, I'm supervising them, et cetera, et cetera. But I also wanna talk about the importance of having 
a support system for your own well-being. See, my point of view, I was doing it as a career move, right, to get to where I wanted to go. But what I want you to think about it is, yes, as that, but also that it's super crucial for you to have a support system for your own well-being, okay? You cannot pour into somebody else. You cannot support a youth, adult, anybody if you do not have those support systems in place. And so once I decided, okay, this is how I'm going to move. This is the next step I want to take. I started to take that next step because my supports went from being natural supports to actual on paper staff, on paper care team members. And it was a blessing in disguise because I really needed that at the time. I was a new mom trying to figure out how to be a mom and all the things that come with childbirth. And I had postpartum depression and I had a lot of things going on. And thank God I had the supports that I had because I don't think I would have been able to continue being a foster parent and take care of my daughter who needed me with all of that going on. So those natural supports really carried a lot of weight for me because, yeah, like what I just described, I needed that so that I could continue doing what I was doing, continue serving, but most importantly, like be a mom too, right? When I was in the training Presley Ridge, they did a exercise and it was one person stands in the middle of the circle and they hold a whole bunch of different like yarn strings. I think it was like 10 and everybody in the class like circled us. And there was probably about eight feet between each individual and me. Right. And so you're holding all of these different pieces of yarn and you're cutting the yarn Every time a connection, every time a relationship breaks, you're cutting the yarn. And so that exercise to me really stood out. And I did not want to break a connection with these little girls that I had at the time because I knew how important relationships were. And I didn't want to be the one to be like, oh, well, I had a baby now, so peace, I'm out. Like, go transition to another home. I didn't want to do that. And so leaning on these natural supports was really, really important. So let's talk about like that transition with those natural supports to being a first hire because they were my first hire. You literally have to go through a process for these individuals to be around these youth. This is not a thing to where it's like, oh, I list these five people and they all just come around and can watch kids overnight and to all of that, those things. Like that's not how it works. There is a process, whether you're directly through the state or affiliated with the agency, there is a process. And so I needed to start that process and it was a process of hiring your home workers. That's what they were called, home workers. And so the first step to that was talking to my licensing specialist and saying, hey, like this is what I would like to do. How do I go about doing this? Because it had to be approved. Those people, those individuals who you wanted to bring on as your home workers needed to be approved. And so I went through that process of completing an application, paying for their background check and fingerprints. They had to go through training themselves. And it was like, I felt 
such a good relief with officially having them documented and on record with the agency and the state as like part of my little team, right? And so this allowed me to go on vacation and take a break without the youth coming with me all the time. It allowed Douglas and I to be able to have a date night of our own that was not on the schedule of the agency, right? It allowed all of these different things to take place. And the beautiful thing about it was that my mom, who was my homeworker, my mom and my sister, they were my first hires, basically. And I didn't have to pay them because they didn't really require me to do that. Thank you, mom and sister. (laughs) For that. Totally volunteer. I love them. Family's the best. But I was able to really take the time that I needed if I had a doctor's appointment or if, um, like I said, I wanted to go out of town, like my mom would step in. And I believe that I did like compensate if it was requested, but I wasn't like paying like an hourly wage or anything like that. So bringing your family, close friends in for that, if they want to support you, that was key. And then I was able to really put that down on my resume that, yes, I was a treatment foster parent. Yes, I did manage a team of two, right? I did do these things and I was able to use that as my stepping stone to move into like the agency level care, starting my own business, my assisted living, all of that stuff, because not only was I like managing a small team, my homeworkers who were, it was documented on file, but also the youth that I served had different diagnoses and cognitive abilities or disabilities and all of that. So all of that kind of went into the resume too. I did so much stuff with the youth that I had in my uh, youth group home. And I mean, I took them to Disneyland. We went down there and I was actually looking at some photos the other day from that trip. It was pretty awesome. We went in 2014 and we we had an amazing time. So I included the youth that I was caring for in my group home into a lot of things, right? But at the time I still needed to have that self-care and then to get that experience with bringing some team members on for the first time. And luckily I was able to do that with people who are very close to me, my mom and my sister, So when you are looking to hire that first person or to add somebody to your team, you want to make sure that they're a good fit to work with your clients. You don't want somebody who does not have a connection, who clearly can't get along, who clearly can't see the needs of the individual and meet them. Like my mom and my sister definitely met the needs of the individuals who I was serving, right? They were supportive. They were honest. There was a good culture between us. You want to make sure all of that was great, that your licensing team or your care management team are on board with these particular people coming in to support you because it was something that they had to approve. I think that more foster parents shared living providers, host home providers, this can all kind of go in the same realm. 
I think there would be more retention if we did have those supports built in. And it is on you, my friend, to make sure you have those supports. Like the agency isn't identifying people like, okay, Ariana, we have three people that are going to be your supports. No, ma'am, like that's on you. No, sir, that's on you. And so you have to identify these people in your life. If you think that you are going to go it alone, you're wrong. You're wrong. If I didn't have my mom and my sister as my support, I would have fizzled out and burned out way quicker than I did. And I had a couple of burnout spats, right? I did. I'm, that's how I know what burnout is because I had those burnout spats. And I don't want that for you or for anybody specifically for your children or the youth that you serve. You don't want any of that. You don't want any of that, right? You want to have the support so that you can last the test of time or however long you want to do it. I had a five-year plan. I was going to do it for five years. I wound up doing it for seven years because I was adopting my daughter. But the day after she was adopted, I like Closed the license, sent the email the next morning, right? The gavel came down. She was mine. The next morning, I sent the email, closed my license, take her out of all programs. We're done, right? I did my time. I had the impact of the youth in my community for the time that I did it. It was a valuable learning experience. I met my business partner during that time. I have great memories. I have my daughter, my my baby girl, Zoya. Uh, She's 12 now, came to me when she was three. That wouldn't have happened, right? All of these really great things have happened in my life because I took a risk and because I chose to serve the youth in my community. But I will give credit to my support system that I would not have lasted as long as I did if I did not have those supports. Now, this episode cannot go into like all of the ups and downs and all of the things I ran into, right? Because you're going to run into that too. But having a support system is so much better than going it alone. So my friend, I do encourage you, if you are looking to be a host home provider, share living provider, if you are looking to be a foster parent, therapeutic foster parent, have a support system. Think about who those people could be. Think about are they the right fit? Will they engage with the youth? Do they like kids, right? Or adults? This is transferable, whether you're working with the itty bitty youth, whether you're working with teens, whether you're working with adults, whether you're working with the age, doesn't matter. If you are taking care of these individuals in your own home, this is where you need to have those supports in place and make sure that those supports are going to, you know, mesh well with the with the youth, adults, whoever you are serving. Now, if I didn't have my mom and my sister, I could have posted a job on care.com. I could have posted a job on Indeed and you could hire nannies, right? You can have nannies as your support system where yes, you are paying them, right? Based off of the time that they're spending with your youth and supporting you, but still to have somebody that you can call is it's super powerful, not just for you, but for the youth too. And so I really benefited from that and I did it strategically so that I can have the experience for the resume so that I could apply for assisted living and uh, to start my own agency. And I will give you this. At that time, back in 2015, when I made that choice, I didn't even know how to start my own group home. I didn't know all of the different things that went into it. I literally went on the state website. I was looking up my assisted living regulations, et cetera. I seen you had to have experience 
months, right? And it wasn't until I started my business in 2017 for the group home piece, which I wasn't even trying to become my own agency per se. I was trying to do more of affiliation and partnership with one of the bigger agencies here. And after my license was approved, literally like the next day or something like that, it was a very short time frame, the state said that no assisted living group homes have to be their own agency. They can no longer affiliate. And I was like, wait, what? And so I thankfully had that experience behind me because that that's what qualified me to be a program administrator for my home and community-based agency. So I'm giving you all those tips right now is if you don't know what those regulations and requirements are, we have the Startup Provider Program to help you get started. But if you are in a place where you are thinking about being a shared living provider, host home provider, if you are looking at treatment foster care or traditional foster care, look at hiring some support or bringing on some support so that you can last the test of time. And you're obviously not getting burned out. Like nobody wants to deal with burnout. People don't really understand what it is. But when I tell you I was so burned out, I was sick. I was sick. Like my skin looked yellow. Like I had like a jaundice look to me. I was grumpy, irritable. I, I looked I don't want to say lifeless, but kind of felt like that. Like I felt like the life was sucked out of me dealing with all of these things. And at the time, uh, one of the youth that I had behaviors were, were like escalating and it was just a lot. And my baby girl was like six months, nine months at the time. And so it was a lot going on and I just didn't have it in me. And that's when I experienced burnout for the very first time. And almost jeopardized my daughter, who I have now. She's my legal daughter, adopted daughter. She wasn't adopted at the time. She was still in in foster care. The agency almost took her from me, right? They could see I was burned out. And they actually implemented for a couple months there mandatory respite where she had to go stay at another foster parent's house for the weekend. So there was a lot of things that went into that for me. And I encourage you to one, reflect on if this is the type of care that you're interested in, who could be your support system throughout this journey? Because I'm telling you right now, you're going to need somebody, right? And then think about those individuals and then chat with them, chat with them about, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Are you open to this? And if you are a current provider as a shared living host home, therapeutic, any of that, right? If you are in that situation, I really encourage you to look at your immediate circle and see who could qualify to be your homeworker, who could qualify to be your support system that is going to literally be there, not say that they're going to be there. And then when you call them not right, obviously, we're not doing last minute dumps on people either, but making sure that you have that support in place so that you can thrive and continue to make powerful, positive impact within your local community and be supported because you thriving is something that the youth in your community need, right? You being whole is something that they need. And you can't do that if you don't have some natural supports in place. So that was my experience. Just to kind of recap 
when you are doing home-based care in your own home, you are always on, right? You might have breaks between the individual going to school or work or whatever it is that they're doing their schedule, but you you are always on. And you don't want that wake-up call to come at a time or place that is emergent and you need it, need it, need it, need it. You need it to happen now. It's not the right fit. All of these things could happen. You don't want that. So you want to bring natural supports on as your first kind of hire. It's like, look at it that way. Look at it in a way of this is going to support you, your home, your youth, the adults that you serve, whoever, for a longer period of time, right? So that you can continue to do what you do best, which is provide care, make powerful, positive impact within your local community and continue serving. So if you are still listening to this episode, thanks so much for rocking with me. Let me know what you think about it. Leave a comment that always helps us out. Uh, let us know what you what you thought about the episode. Share it with a friend who might need it. These are things that people don't want to really talk about. I wish I would have heard this when I was starting or anywhere in my journey with providing care in my own home. And it hits a little bit different when it's not coming from your like your licensing specialist or the agency. You're like, yeah, okay. But I hope this hits you. I hope you find value in this. And if you are not a shared living provider, host home provider, or foster parent, or anyone providing care in your own home, I'm going to be doing a couple more episodes on this in this series. So check those out once those are released, but pull from this episode what you can, and I will see you same time, same place next week. All right. Bye for now. Hey friend, if you resonated with this show, if you feel the desire to make impact, don't forget to head over to www.startupprovider.com so you can start making seven figure impact and follow the show so you get notified when I drop a new episode. You can also come follow me on IG at underscore Ariana J. If you follow me there, let me know you came from the podcast. I really would love to meet you. Or you can join me in my private Facebook group, Assisted Living Group Home and Community Hub Providers. I hope to see you there.